0: Article 6. Honoring Church Government by Pastor Reed Benson The twentieth century has witnessed a vast evaporation of respect for ecclesiastical authority. This is not surprising in light of the infamous abuses of power that we have observed in recent years. Many have grown disillusioned by notorious failures in leadership. Yet, such moral blotches upon the spiritual landscape do not invalidate the basic precepts of Scripture concerning a believer's relationship to his ecclesiastical authority. Taking a jaundiced view of all church authority because of a few high-profile cases of abuse only creates a mindset of passive rebellion. Don't fall into such a snare. The Bible proves that Christians are called to yield to ecclesiastical authority. Scripture states in Hebrews 13, verse 17, Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. St. Paul elsewhere reiterates this simple exhortation with a reference to a specific man to whom the church at Corinth should yield. From 1 Corinthians 16, verses 15-16. I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus, that is, it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints that ye submit yourselves unto such, and to every one that helpeth with us, and laboreth. Notice that these verses are not rendered as options, and that there are no qualifiers that indicate we are at liberty to reject ecclesiastical authority at our own discretion. Those who reserve the right to submit selectivity invite the judgment of God upon their lives. Numerous illustrations within the pages of Scripture indicate the serious nature of rejecting established ecclesiastical authority. Miriam, the sister of Moses, discovered the peril of speaking against her younger brother Moses. Scripture rec- records in Numbers chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, and verses 9 through 10. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman and they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed, and the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. And behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. Observe that Miriam did not challenge Moses without a cause. Yet What she believed was a valid disability in his leadership, namely his wife, was ultimately discovered to be irrelevant. His perceived weakness did not invalidate his position of authority. In foolishly declaring herself to be Moses' equal in God's structure of authority, Miriam came under judgment from Almighty God. Don't make the same mistake and justify a rebellious spirit towards your ecclesiastical authority because of what you think. It is a spurious blind spot on this part. Recall the sobering consequences of those who followed the rebellion of Korah. Since he was a Levite, Korah evidently felt his qualifications for leadership matched those of Moses. He wanted to spread authority among himself and others. As scripture records in Numbers 16, verse 3, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them, Wherefore then ye lifted up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. As a result of his insubordination, not only were Korah and his fellow mutineers destroyed, but so were their wives, sons, and little children. This is found in Numbers sixteen, verse twenty six to thirty five. The lesson to be learned is painful but simple. Those under your cover. Will share in your judgment should you fall into rebellion against ecclesiastical authority. Many other examples from Scripture further demonstrate the importance of hearkening to counsel and directives of ecclesiastical authorities. King Saul rejected the words of Samuel when God told him to utterly destroy every living creature that pertained to the Amalekites. Although he later admitted his error, it was too late for his error in judgment cost him his kingdom. Similarly, Ahab refused to listen to the prophet Micaiah in 1 Kings chapter 22, when he told that going up to the battle would result in defeat. Ahab persisted, and ultimately not only lost on the battlefield, but also was killed when he was struck with a random arrow. Recall also the tragic fate of Ananias and Sapphira, recorded in Acts chapter 5. They attempted to deceive the apostles, but Peter astutely perceived that they were also lying to the Holy Ghost. As we know too well, their death rapidly followed. Thus, it's quite clear from Scripture that rejecting your established spiritual authority can be fraught with mortal danger. Beware lest you think that you can be the exception to these examples and have a more legitimate cause that may protect you. In truth, this danger doesn't go without warning, and Deuteronomy 17, verses 8-13, through outlines the process that disputes should be brought before the Levites. God's law demands that the man who will not abide by the decision of the priest be punished. The Bible states in Deuteronomy 17, verse 12, And the man that will do presumptuously, and will not hearken unto the priest, "...that standeth to minister there before the Lord thy God, or unto the judge, even that man shall die, and thou shalt put away evil from Israel." This plain language should serve as a warning to those who despise the priest's word. God established spiritual authorities by which he seeks to bless his people. A minister of God should be viewed as a channel of blessing from God to those who render honor to the man who holds such a position. No minister is perfect. For certain, all are fallen creatures and struggle against sin. Yet, God is glorified by using imperfect persons to accomplish good. The position that a minister holds is the means by which God desires to confer blessings upon those who will respect God's chain of authority. In contrast to the curses that might befall those who reject ecclesiastical authority, there is a pattern of blessing for those who embrace it. Consider the counsel that Nathan the prophet rendered unto Bathsheba the mother of Solomon. David was aged and his death imminent. As a crisis of succession to the throne was unfolding, Nathan advised Bathsheba thus. From 1 Kings chapter 1 verses 12 to 13. Now, therefore, come. Let me I pray thee give thee counsel that thou mayest save thine own life and the life of thy son Solomon. Go and get thee in unto king David, and say unto him, Didst not thou, my lord, O king, swear unto thine handmaid, saying, Assuredly, Solomon thy son shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne? Why then doth Adonijah reign? Bathsheba wisely obeyed Nathan, spoke to David, and witnessed the subsequent collapse of Adonijah's rebellion. David listened to Bathsheba and took action to establish Solomon prior to his death. Clearly, there was a great blessing for Bathsheba and her son Solomon in honoring the words of Nathan. Consider also Naaman, captain of the Syrian host, who received healing from a fatal disease when he obeyed the command of Elisha. The Bible records this marvelous recovery from leprosy in 2 Kings 5, verse 14. Then went he down, and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again, like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean." What an extraordinary blessing! Ignoring his own common sense and personal pride, Naaman honored a prophet of Israel, and received from God the greatest desire of his heart. Other biblical citations verify that honoring the word and position of ecclesiastical authority will open a channel of blessing. Rehoboam hearkened to the prophet Shemaiah and changed his mind concerning a war against Israel in 1 Kings 12 verses 21-24. The result was the preservation of his throne and lineage for untold generations. Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, demonstrated great respect for Elisha, greatly craving his counsel listening carefully to Elisha's word from Jehovah. Jehoshaphat achieved great victory over the Moabites in 2 Kings 3. Again, God used ecclesiastical authority as a vehicle to transmit a blessing to those who honor that position. Coming under the cover of ecclesiastical authority is simple, but not easy. As fallen creatures, our nature is predisposed toward independence and rebellion. The challenge lies before every family. Will this generation yield to ecclesiastical authority? Or will we, like the generation that murmured in the wilderness against Moses, be left behind to die? Will God have to start over with the new generation? Can this generation muster the spiritual maturity? Every competent Bible student understands that in God's structure of authority, no one is omitted. As priests to their families, men have a place under Jesus Christ. Paul the Apostle writes, the head of every man is Christ, in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 30. How then, does a man come under the head of Christ? In one sense, if he is a true believer, he already is under the head of Christ. But in another sense, a man must bond himself to a congregation, which is the body of Christ. Of course, that congregation will have a pastor whom everyone should respect, support, and follow. It's wrong to simply claim that every man has the privilege to interpret Scripture all alone, without any accountability, and this constitutes his submission to Christ. Such a view is a subtle form of rebellion, for it displays a spirit of independence. Elsewhere, Paul states that Christ is the head of the church in Ephesians 5 verse 23. A man comes under the headship of Christ by honestly answering a single question, and then making the appropriate response. Is Christ the head of my church? If you answer in the affirmative, then submit to the authority of your minister. If you answer in the negative, then find a congregation to whose minister you can submit. Find a man, a pastor, that you respect then listen to what he says and apply his words to your household. If a man believes his pastor is teaching an error, not truth, then he has every right to speak to his minister about the matter. Ministers also need to be held accountable for what they teach. But it should be done in a respectful manner. If agreement can be found, excellent! Often this will be the case. If not, then the man should not seek to displace the minister but rather he must decide if he wishes to release the point of contention into God's providential hands, or if he should remove himself from that congregation and seek the cover of a new pastor with whom he has more harmony. A minister can abuse his authority in another way. It is not the duty of a minister to insert himself into the day-to-day activities of any man's home. The head of every man is Christ. Thus, every man is responsible for the governance of his household and will give an account to Christ directly on the Day of Judgment. No minister can or should micromanage a man's household, coming between a man and his wife or a man and his children. Indeed, a minister should not be enforcing within the walls of a man's house sundry principles and standards from the Bible. It's the job of a pastor to declare the truth of God's Word And is the duty of every man to apply those truths in his household in accordance with his conscience. If he do so well, his reward on judgment day will be great, but if he does poorly or he ignores the godly and biblical advice of the minister that God has placed at the head of his congregation, the day of judgment will be a sad moment for that man. Finally, in comprehending the nature of Christ's body, the church, consider this final point. The church militant is more of a monarchy than a democracy. Jesus Christ is the King, and all offices derive from Him, not from people. Unless a minister has been proven to be disobedient to God, he is to be respected. The early church understood and practiced this concept. Clemens stated, Hear your bishop, and do not be weary of giving all honor to him, knowing that by showing it to him, it is born to Christ. And from Christ it is born to God, and to him who offers it, it is requited manifold. From the Clementine Homilies, Chapter 70. Please consider earnestly this admonition Be wise, find a congregation and pastor to whom you can submit, avoid the bitter consequences that flow from rebellion against your ecclesiastical authority. Your spiritual authority is a channel of blessing by which God will ultimately enrich your life. God's Word teaches this principle very dearly. Embrace it.